0: Hello, this is Pastor Kenny, and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about what we are all about, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org. Enjoy! As we continue, we just uh, thank God for His faithfulness, and we thank you for your uh, giving of tithes and offerings, just what um, what a sacrifice that can be, but also the obedience that is just to give as God has given to us. and respond in obedience uh, to him. Uh, some of you may have noticed this baby bottle, and this is just a reminder that we had uh, Care Net, Central Vermont Crisis Pregnancy Center, that we are raising funds for. If you were able to uh, send a check or fill a baby bottle with coins, you can certainly mail that to the address behind me and uh, support them in that way. So um, once more, we thank you so much for being a part. I have too many screens going. I'm trying to look over and Uh, Sometimes when you try to do everything, you end up doing nothing well, but uh, we thank you for jumping on and uh, joining us this Sunday morning. Hebrews 5 is where we turn this month, and Hebrews 5 is a chapter that I really enjoy. This month, we're going to be looking at the New International Version. Last month, we looked at the New Living Translation, just um, an easy way to read the Bible as far as the words make sense and the sentence structure and how it's Written sometimes when you read the Bible, you get confused or I get confused, and I'm not really certain on how it's best to be uh, understood. So you could certainly invest in a resource that just helps you with some of those things. but this is an international version that I do enjoy as well. So we look at Hebrews 5.1. It says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. One thing that really stood out to me is that there's a threefold responsibility for that high priest, for that mediator, for that one that intercedes on behalf of others. And God, I believe, is calling us to intercede on behalf of others, but we need to understand that we've been selected, appointed to represent God to others. You've been selected, you've been called on, you've been called out, you've been called. Put uh, with a purpose on your life, appointed to represent Jesus to others that they might know his hope, his truth, his forgiveness, his healing. Sometimes I listen to my sermons and I feel like, man, Jeff, you say the same thing every single Sunday, which I do need to improve on. But other things I believe God would have us learn and understand and relearn and really apply to our lives that God loves us so much that he does not want us to remain in those sinful habits that continue, but God wants to call us out so we can live differently, that he selected us, appointed us to re- represent him in a very, very special way. This is what he wants us to do and to be a part of. We look at Hebrews 5, 2, which says, He, God, is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. He himself, Jesus, was subject to temptation, subject to hunger, subject to pain. Jesus went through this difficulty, and he is saying, deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. Maybe that's why Jesus walked slowly through the crowd. Or maybe that's why Jesus was so attentive to what his dad was telling him, listening to the Father on who to reach out to, who to heal, who to speak words of life and inspiration to, instead of just being so focused on the end goal that he was driven to that point. He was driven to do the will of the Father that he knew it meant to sacrifice his life. But along the way, he took time out for those distractions, we think, from that end goal But God used to develop in Jesus a testimony for us. I think it was John Maxwell that said too many people set goals, but once that goal is accomplished, they don't know what to do. And yes, once you set a goal, you set another goal, but he suggests that we look at growth. If all we focus on is I want to grow each day in a particular uh, specific, then you can grow in that aspect. You want to be better with your finances, whether it's your health, whether it's your weight, whether it's strength, whether it's uh, in reading and developing your mind and resources. You just want to grow instead of, well, I just want to read a book this month. Well, once that book's done, Maybe it's semantics, but I just like that way of putting it—that we want to grow and not just accomplish a single goal, and that's how Jesus lived. And looking at verse two, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. Uh, I once uh, was asked to give a seminar on personal witness on. Um, Uh, soul winning what that means. And it does not mean you go to one who professes not to be a Christian and you say, you are going to hell. I'm going to scare you into the reality of knowing that hell is real. So you make a profession of faith to go to heaven. It's not, I want to scare you, but it's letting people know that the love of God is so big, so real, so forgiving that God has a plan for your life. And as you begin to learn God's love for you, you can't help but learn how to change your way of thinking, to change your behavior, to conform your lifestyle into that which Jesus is proud of, to restore gently, to deal gently in verse uh, 2 but we go to this cross-reference. This is finding another passage of Scripture that talks very similar about this passage that we're reading. And it talks in Galatians 6.1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In Galatians 6, one, it says, Restore that person gently. If someone is caught in a sin, restore them gently. If you have a friend that does not profess to be a Christian, as Pastor Kenny preached a couple weeks ago, we can get to know them. There's a... Um, I forget her name now. I should have written it down. I believe the last name is Butterfield. No, it's not Dan and Laura Butterfield. But it's a woman that practiced a lifestyle that we would uh, have a concern about. But she started to meet with a Christian pastor and his wife. And she said what led her to the truth of Jesus was not the fact that he invited her to church because the pastor and his wife did not invite her to church for over a year. During that year of meeting with her each week, having her over for dinner in their homes, they did not say, do you want to become a Christian? But in that year, that 12 months, that 52 weeks of meeting together, they just got to know this person, and this person said, I felt as though they genuinely cared for me. Restore each other gently, because that's how I would like to be restored as well. So he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray. This is how God wants to use us to restore others that are ignorant and going astray. Sometimes you cannot solve ignorance. I remember saying when I had that telecommunications job, often I'd be on the telephone and I'd say, excuse my ignorance. I have no idea what I'm talking about or I don't even know what to do. But now I think God would have us say, educate my ignorance based on the truth of your word, on the love that you have for all people that we would Restore gently those that are ignorant or those that are going astray, those that are walking in a way that they should not, that we would restore those that are going astray gently by coming alongside, by interceding, by even giving gifts. What is the point of when we are enabling or empowering bad behavior? Well, I believe, and I think you could prove it by scripture, that's the point when we start talking about. Things other than Jesus that bring healing. If we say, just stop that, don't do that, instead of know God's love, get into his word, understand his forgiveness. We move on to, I'm sorry, we move on to Hebrews 5 3. Hebrews 5 3. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. This is talking about Jesus. And when Moses had to do this as well, as they were uh, going through the wilderness, this is why he has to offer sacrifices. We want to know why, what is the purpose? Well, the purpose is found in Romans 12. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We choose to do things that reveal Jesus, even when it sacrifices our own rights or desires. We choose to live differently, that God might use it in some way to reveal himself to others, that they would know that God's love is real and for them by maybe a handwritten card or a text message or just a word of thanks and gratitude. Maybe it's just our attitude that as we go forward, we don't talk negatively about people, even if it's true or when it's true. We choose to display Jesus like the curtain being pulled back on a stage. We reveal the love of Jesus. How do you do that? Well, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the changing of your mind, the growth of what God has said in his word, making it real and applicable in your own life. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober mind sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you so we don't think because we're a Christian we don't think because we've been saved that it's anything special it's it's a reality and you hear stories of this, whether it's, uh, those involved in a plane crash and they survive, but others do not those involved in a war or combat and they survive and someone else doesn't those involved in a vehicle accident and they survive, but others don't. It's kind of like, uh, you have remorse for being alive, but it, It drives you. It should drive you with a greater gratitude that for some reason, I don't know why I'm not proud. I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve this reward. But you begin to walk humbly and gently so you can display God's love and truth to others in a real and practical way. It's walking humbly knowing that God has set you apart for a purpose, not that you think that you are better than anyone else. In Hebrews 5, 4, and no one takes this honor on himself, but he received it when called by God, just as Aaron was. Aaron did not want to do the task that God was asking him to do. Maybe God is wanting you to make a decision or to go and take a step that you do not want to do, but God has called you. God has seen in you something that he put in from conception. You were created for this purpose. God has called you. You are called by God. You might even say, I'm not even a Christian. What are you talking about? And I would dare say that, you have a purpose, that there is a reason why you are put on this earth, that you have the family structure that you have, that you are working where you work, that you are going where you are going, that you have the neighbors that you have because you are called by God to restore others gently who are going astray, those that are ignorant, those that need to know the love of Jesus. We don't do it out of pride or arrogance because we're cocky or overconfident, but we do it because God has called us. He selected us. He's appointed us. He's appointed us to represent him. And because of him, we can display him well. You're selected. You're called by God as Aaron was. And that can be a deep dive. And so look into the Old Testament, get a study Bible where you can research scripture. So you don't just read for face value, but you start to understand the context and the content and the references that are made throughout scripture. And that builds your faith. Scripture talks about just eating, uh, drinking milk when God wants to give us meat. For you um, that don't eat meat, vegetarians, vegans, understand it's an analogy. It's an uh, illustration that we need to develop our strength in more than just milk. We look at Hebrews 5.5, 5, you are my son. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And for anyone out there that's listening, that's watching, maybe after the fact, and you're listening on the podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan, or somebody sent you the link on the YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, and you just feel like, man, I feel as though God is drawing me. I didn't even think I believed in God. I didn't even know if there was a higher power. I just thought it was based on what I did, what I accomplished, but you just know that there is something out there. You might say a mystical force. And as you start being led by the truth, you realize that what you're desiring, what you're going after is God the Father to call you His son, His daughter, His friend, His child. You are my son. We look in John 6:35 through 40, then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty." Now, this is not the prosperity gospel. This is not saying that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich, wealthy, and wise. This is saying that deep within your soul, in your spirit, to the very core, God cuts you. It's called diaprio in the Greek, cut to the core, where Jesus says whoever comes to him will never go spiritually hungry, will never go spiritually thirsty, will know that deep resonance within them, why they're created, the truth that Jesus has for them. But as I told you, you have not seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will drive away. This is not because you chose, but God created you with this reason. And it's a little confusing, I have to admit. Like, oh, I want God. Well, God's saying, only because you recognized I first loved you through that sacrifice, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus is calling us to do the will of the Father. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up that last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up, that last day. Jesus is inviting us into this reality that we can show Jesus to others. We don't have to be concerned by political division on how we talk about Jesus or the truth of God, because the truth of Jesus is not Republican, Democrat, Uh, libertarian or independent. The truth of Jesus is the love of God that shows that he is for those that have breath in their lungs. God is for those and we can be for him and just share his love and his hope with one another. As we look at Hebrews 5, 7. And in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest, forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleading with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. And the New King James Version, it talks about the vehement cries, the vehement cries of Jesus. This was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is when Jesus was facing death. Jesus gave himself up that we might have life. We find this in Luke 22, Luke twenty-two forty-one 41 through 45. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is the intensity that Jesus was facing, knowing what God had called him to do, knowing that he and himself did not want to do it, but it was not about his own life. It was about being obedient to Jesus. This has a term. This is a medical term. Uh, Verse 45 says, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. They too were exhausted from sorrow, but Jesus was suffering uh, hematohidrosis. It's a rare condition in which a human being sweats blood. There is a uh, story told by Leonardo da Vinci described... Described a soldier who had sweated blood before battle. You can go to that website and find that there. It's not just a biblical reference, but this is a medical reference of what was taking place, what Jesus experienced, and this is something that he did not want to do. The will of the Father, and he was just in pain, vehement cries. He was in anguish, saying, "Jesus, I don't want to go through this. This is not what I want." So it is okay if Jesus' own son said, "God, I don't want to do it." If our response is Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Hebrews 5 7 through 8. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he had suffered. He learned obedience from what he had suffered. He had learned obedience from what he suffered, from his circumstances. We can learn as well from what we are going through, that God is teaching us something, how to live. James 1, 2, 3. Two through four, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When you're training, whether you're on a diet, whether you're whenever you're going through something, it is not fun for your body, but you know that you are growing. You know that the end result is leading to something better. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is what God is saying is available for us. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He was made perfect. He was the source of eternal salvation. This is what God is reminding us that through his own son, Jesus, who endured such pain, scorning his shame for the sake of us. That we might have salvation, healing, hope, peace, joy, love. That through the difficulty, we might know that he's the source of our salvation. This is the great hope that we have. That Jesus endured and he was made perfect because he was made perfect. He's a source of eternal salvation because he's a source of eternal salvation. We too can experience eternal life. Eternal life, that doesn't just mean when you die, you receive eternal life, but eternal life that now we can know that Jesus said, well, we find in John nineteen thirty when he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished with that. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He did not say, I quit, but he said, it's complete. It's done. My life has been given so that eternal life might be had by everyone that believes. This is what we find Jesus saying. So perhaps whatever we are going through, God is saying, allow it to develop perseverance so that you might relate to Jesus in a special way and know his truth and his love that is for us. It is finished. It is finished. (laughs) And yeah, the sermon is finished right now, but with great hope that we know the truth of Jesus, who endured with vehement cries that said, Daddy, no, I don't want to go through this. This is too difficult for me. But if you're saying in my weakness, you will make me strong and get me through, then I will choose to be obedient to you. Then God, Savior, Lord, I choose to follow you. So as we log off StreamYard, YouTube, Facebook, and jump on Zoom for a time of fellowship, of interaction with one another, know that our hope is made complete in the sacrifice of Jesus. If you would like to know that hope, that reality, that assurance that whatever you're going through, that God is not just holding your hand, but he's embracing you, encompassing you, holding you, lifting you with his arms of love wrapped so tightly around you, wiping away your tears, feeling your cries, your heartbeat and saying, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Say, Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess with my my mouth that you are Lord and I want you to develop your perseverance in me. Jesus, we say thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us. And in the unknown, in the trials, in the pain, we are crying if there's any other way. Jesus, do it. But if this is the journey, if this is the way that you are wanting us to take, may we reveal and display your strength, your salvation, that it would be known in us and shared with others. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. And it's in your name we say, let it be done. Hopefully we'll see you over on Zoom. Thank you all. Remember, next week, Daylight Savings Time, we'll send out reminders. Enjoy this sunny Sunday afternoon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. Uh, You can also see the live versions of these sermons on the Living Hope Wesleyan Church YouTube channel, as well as any more information that you'd be interested in at hopeforvermont.org. Thank you so much for listening.